Hi, this is Joe Kim Kans, the singer of Hammerfall, and you're watching CMS TV. of course was overkill brand new stuff from scorched that one was called the surgeon and here is the surgeon of all that is thrash metal mr bobby blitz ellsworth bobby might i say to you hello from the gutter (laughs) (laughs) that wasn't a very good impersonation eric (laughs) i'll work on it sir i give that i give that like a 4.5 off of the high board Uh, (laughs) welcome my friend we're so happy to have you Thank you. Chris, I remember, I think the last time we talked, we were just a stone's throw from Bourbon Street in the Big Easy, wasn't it? Yeah, probably. A couple of years ago, right? 2020. Could be, man. Well, I'll tell you what, Bobby. Let's talk Scorched. Another killer record. A little bit different than you've been doing, but at the same time, Overkill is Overkill. An Overkill record, while it has changes... It's not like you open it up and you get a rap record. It is always what it is, man. So, you know what it did to me right now when I just heard it? It made me go, <laughs> That's how kick-ass it was. Warmed him up. <laughs> I think yeah, I think that you hit it on the head. I mean, obviously, there's some diversity here, but uh, and we like to push the parameters. But, I mean, we are what we are. Or Was, I, was it Popeye? I am what I am. That's all that I am. That's right. Know? And it's, I mean, it's kind of cool that I suppose this many years later, you know, there's a couple of things you depend on that the taxes are going to go up. You're not going to know what the fucking politics are, but an overkill record is going to have some thrash on it, you know? That's right. Exactly. And this one definitely does, man. I love it. It's so, you really, and, and I don't want to say it like, like you were bad and then you're good because I, I love them. I love the band. But I would say, quite honestly, from about 97 to now is like kind of the second phase of, of overkill. Like the, there's the early phase and then there's like from the underground and below up, which is just been menacing. And not only is it menacing, but it's on such a regular pattern, which I love. I love the fact that every two years I get a new record, man. That's just perfect. I think that's a good take on it. I mean, I've, you know, I've always looked at the band that it happened in kind of phases, you know, there was that first Mm -hmm. phase uh, you know, the Megaforce, the early Megaforce days with Bobby Gustafson and Rack Skates, uh, you know, the the early um, the, the early members of the band, you know, the early uh, formation of the band. Um, and that went to like the years of the decay and then the 90s happened and shit happened and people started changing. And then somewhere again by, I suppose, one of my favorite records being the Underground and Below, which is 97. 
we caught wings again, you know, and it just felt right, you know, that we were making cohesive type records, you know, something that, you know, when I was uh, 15, I wanted to hear a Black Sabbath record. I needed 45 minutes to hear that record. I didn't want to just hear Children of the Grave. I wanted to go right. finish all the way through the whole fucking platter. And, and that's what I kind of felt that the uh, the Underground and Below offered and uh, became kind of a new template for us from, the, from that point on. Let's write an entire records as opposed to songs. Right on. And, and you know, one of the other things, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm not. I think the consistency in the lineup has really helped you. You know, those first, the first period, there's a lot of guys that came in and out of overkill. The last 22 years, there's been one guy that's left. Unless I'm mistaken, there's only been the Jason coming into the band in 17, 18, whenever that was. You know, the rest of the guys have been with you since 99, right? 2000? Yeah, I, I mean, Dave Lynch is, you know, he's really the longest standing guitar player. He's 24 years, you know? Right. Um, 99, you're 100% right. That's a Necroshine record. Actually, Sebastian Marino, who's recently passed, was the guitar player on Necroshine. And Dave walked in and did Cover Kill which was the next, but I mean, it kind of works because none of those guys speak English and they all owe me money. So I'm in charge and fuck them. You know what I'm saying? And obviously to be able to say something like that, that's because we do have a good time doing this, uh, you know, this many years later, it's still like, you know, middle-aged older, older boys club kind of a thing. Rolling right. dice, smoking Cuban cigars. You know? Sure. Now, now let's, let's dig into Scorch a little bit because it was different for you. You know, obviously, it's probably the longest amount of time you've ever had to write a record because everybody had a lot of time to write or sit home or do whatever. And you're not a guy to sit home and do whatever you're a guy to make metal. So talk a little bit about, you know, writing this record. Cause I, from what I read anyway, I read that it was quite different for you as far as having the time, which left you a lot more time to tinker and, and dig a little deeper into each of the songs. Well, a bunch of it was, uh, for sure, uh, the, the direction was formed prior to that, prior to the pandemic, you know. Um, you know, I had the demo, you know, I think probably a week after you and I talked the last time, you know, because that was like somewhere in March of 2020, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, it, the direction was there. It was skeletal, but it was there. And, you know, Dee and I kept talking. I'm like, man, I could go in and record this tomorrow. This was months after, you know, I had this demo. But I said, you know, if we're not going to tour it, what's the sense? You know, I mean, that's our visibility is being on stage mm. and transferring this from, you know, from pressing play to seeing it and feeling it live. So we both agreed and that gave us that extra time to tinker. But primarily it gave me the extra time because Jason had done the drums by that that June of 2020. Okay. And the guitars started becoming layered. Indeed, he was adding bass and we were changing some shit here and there. But fuck, man, I had three and a half years to mess with this. or Well, maybe not three and a half years, but two and three quarter years to, to, to mess with this record. And I think, you know, the results kind of speak for themselves because it was, you know, it was a it was a go to in the pandemic. It was just this, you know, kind of a cool place to go that seemed normal when all this abnormality was was raging around. Right. And everybody were who's watching and, you know, both you guys. <laughs> right. So it, uh, I don't know, the normal and the abnormal. So I, I think the results are, are something a little bit different because, you know, you raise the bar in the heavy metal and then you put some blues in there and then, you know, this is happening and rock and roll is happening. And I've always said, you know, if somebody says, ah, oh, you know, overkill's a one-trick pony, I'm like, you're not listening. You know, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's not true. You know, I mean, there, there is blues and there is rock and roll and there is traditional metal and there is progressive 
uh, thresh and uh, traditional thresh and groove. But I think that in this case, uh, we had the, I don't know, to raise the bar, to push the parameters, to to make it just a little bit different than, than we right. would have in uh, would have in the past. Right. It's evolved a lot, like especially sonically. Like I, I took a trip back to the Megaforce early days today, watching some live stuff, listening to the the first uh albums and such, just getting refamiliarized with it. And then when what Chris just played me right now, I was like, holy shit. I mean, that just sounds like a whole new world. Uh you guys have really evolved and it just sounded amazing what he just played me, I have to say. Well, that's a great compliment. I, you know, one of the things that I like about this record, or you know, it might be my take on it, is that you know the production quality on it is it's from two eras. It's from the current day, and it's also from the days gone by. So, like when you're when you're putting this record on, and it opens with the song "Scorch," and you hear this, you know, kind of lone guitar introduction, it's reminiscent of something in the '80s. And then mm -hmm. when everything kicks in, you get this modern kind of a drum punch with, you know, really cool old school room resonance and then a scooped guitar. So it's like, yeah. it's kind of like listening to 1985, but sitting in 2023 doing it. But so your I, voice I sounds so good on it. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was the greatest fucking thing when Colin Richardson and Chris Clancy started messing with these, you know, with these tracks. I was like, oh my God, they're creating like duality here, you know, right. dual audio duality. And I was, I was really, I was really impressed with where they were going with it. Right. Well, Colin's amazing. I mean, Colin is absolutely, uh, he's the surgeon really, because that guy is an absolute master. The other guy you worked with too, that you didn't mention that I think is the best in the business today is Mayor Applebaum. His mixes are fucking incredible on everything he does. Great choice working with him, man. Well, you know, he's been, um, you know, he's been on our radar for a long time. Mayor's, you know, I would say he's a friend even before, you know, somebody that we worked with professionally. I remember running into him in Nam years ago, you know, and him following me around going, I want to do an overkill record. I want to do an, you know, I'm going, yeah, stop bothering me, kid. Get the fuck out of here. Go get me a beer. <laughs> Beat a kid, scram. <laughs> get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> but, the, uh, but I think the, uh, I think that he was the right choice, you know, and Colin, you know, we didn't know we were going to need a mastering engineer. And then Colin says, no, I don't master this. I use, I use Mayor. And okay. uh, we were like, fuck, well, I said, this is the time, you know, this right. is the time to, uh, you know, to, to, uh, to break into that end of uh, working with, with somebody new. And I think, he, I think he did a great job for it too. It's a record. You can listen to at really loud levels without mm -hmm. tiring your ears out, right. which is, huge man i mean it's like sometimes i go that is the heaviest shit i ever heard and after three songs i'm like i gotta take a break i'm gonna right. fuck it i'm gonna have a coronary yeah. <laughs> eardrums are on the ground but i i think that these guys really did uh especially uh colin and then handing it over to mayor was uh was just fantastic no it, it is and you know one of the things that's interesting when you listen to it i listen to it a few different ways more just because not not because I'm some audiophile douchebag, but because in one room I had the speaker, another room I had headphones. So I you know I kind of listened to it both ways. In the headphones, you can hear a lot of nuanced stuff, especially in the drums. But on a big speaker, it doesn't get all bricked and cloudy like it does a lot of you know like most records do. And that's that's a testament to what they were doing, but it's also a testament to you guys doing your parts extremely well and extremely clean this time. 
Yeah, I mean, good. I mean, good pickup. You know, we we always call those little nuances the ear candy. You know, and it, mm-hmm. it was one of the, you know, it's one of the things that you don't want to to lose. You you, you want to give it almost two faces. Sure. You know, to some degree, you want that loudspeaker live kind of a vibe going on, but you also want when you put those cans on, you want to be able to hear even the the, the little fucking shit like the church bells in the background. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the cello comes in, or here comes the fucking monk choir, and. You know, so I mean, talk about fucking tinkering. It was almost like to the point of boredom, you know. We're throwing, Where's your chainsaw? Get me that microphone. Is that a cat <laughs> I heard? Meow. Grab my fucking Harley and yeah, squeeze that cat. Nice. Well, well, Blitz, I want to come back to the consistency part for a minute because in addition to the consistency of the lineup and the, you know, the music and what you write and how you write. You guys have been really consistent with the artwork the past few records. You have a very distinct style. It's Travis Smith, who's great. And, um, you know, I, I never heard the story how you came upon him and, you know, what leads you to keep using him. I can't remember how we came upon him. I mean, it was all the way back at Necroshine. I mean, I wasn't feeling too good <laughs> during that particular part of my life. I mean, it was Stone Cold Sober, and I was kind of fighting for – you know, fighting for another record with uh, a medical kind of a situation. Okay. I think probably Didi found him, or it might have even been um, the guys. It might have been Warl Dane and Jim and Jim uh, Shepard from Nevermore yeah. that turned us on to him because they were they were on the road with us for the Underground and Below, and right. uh, we liked that Nevermore cover. I re- I remember that for sure. Uh, but you know, I attribute that whole thing. You know, I don't have like an artistic long view on things. You know, it's pretty simple for me. I'm like, man, that needs a little more chrome or no, nah, let's fucking dump some of the chrome on that. You know, I mean, that's right. there's my artistic long view. Uh, Make it green. Hey? Right. Make it green. Make it green. <laughs> Make it green. That works. But, the, um, but tr- I, I attribute um, his success to, in many cases, the fact that we don't get in his way anymore. You know, that he's, he has this, you know, he's the true artist and the true illustrator here. Um, We handed him, we handed him a piece of, you know, ancient Greek mythology, the, the Eurobus, the snake eating its own tail. We said, what about this? You know, as like a start. And he started messing with it. And then he came up with these two demons facing each other. You know, are they saying, let's get the fuck out of here? Are they saying, fuck you, fuck you? Are they saying, is it conflict? Is it fear? And the fact that I didn't even know when looking at it what he was trying to convey, but it conveyed, you know, four or five, six different things in my head. I said, he's onto it again. You know, this fucking right. guy is onto it again. You know, so when we picked that particular illustration, um, we said, we got to make this more overkill. The name Scorch came in. The guys voted it. I wanted Twisted the Wick. They wanted Scorched. And, you know, I was like, all right, I guess that's four to one. Let's go. Let's see what happens. And you know, started adding the fire, and it looks like something that should be framed on a wall, you know. Right. Uh, not no, in a monastery, but for sure in a heavy metal, you know, listening room. <laughs> right. Definitely, yeah. man. Well, dude, obviously, man, the bread and butter of Overkill is touring. So I'm sure you have a year's worth in the in the in the pipeline. So what are we looking at this year? Hold on, let me check this. <laughs> okay, we're good. <laughs> exactly. I keep looking at you, Eric. I keep looking at you with that gun over your shoulder, man. And I keep thinking that it's like it's pointed at Chris. He, he pointed says at bad me, so I ask good questions all the time. He's always Who is that? Is that like, 
I love that? cats. So this gun tonight is pointed at Chris for she says anything bad about cats. That's my Italian grandma. And she's gonna he came close. Cats. He came close. Yeah. He just talked about the cat. That's, That's right. There you go. <laughs> the touring starts on the um 13th in Europe. We're taking okay. uh exhorter and nice. uh heathen. Wow. Uh, so it's gonna be an American jaunt over through Europe, uh approximately a month. Uh, we're looking at the U.S. at uh, the end of June into July. Okay. Uh, then you know, then the festivals. Uh, the it, I think we're doing Blue Ridge uh, in Virginia. We're doing. I'm doing uh, that too. Hey. I'm going to do Blue Ridge also. That is that's like the biggest festival in the U.S. or something, right? It's like the most bands I think or something that happens in a couple day period. But I don't know if we're playing the same day. But I uh, he play plays for with Pier- Pierce. He plays with Stephen Pierce. All right. Oh. But- Oh, that's so awesome. I think we're going to be there, too. Oh, that's going to be cool. Yeah. I mean, it's September, right? It's um, yes. it's September. I heard there's no, like, air. it's in Virginia, but it's like there's you can fly. Like, the closest airport is South Carolina. I'm like, bro, oh, that's great. Just away. <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing that. Uh, there's some stuff over in Europe. Um, then we're going to run the whole gauntlet again, you know? I mean, it's always a double run for us. Sure. You know, a double dip to Europe and the U.S., Try to compact it. I mean, we do these old guy, you know, do the work before the tours and go out and roll those dice and, you know, drink some 12-year-old scotch and, you know, have some, I mean, have some decent fun. You know, we don't get to spend that much time together anymore. So it's it's still kind of really positive for us to go out there and, I don't know, just like, you know, just start the fucking machine up, change the oil and just say, God sure. damn it, that motor is still running. Right. <laughs> 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 now, are you doing any of the big ones this year? Are you doing Vakken or Sweden Rock or any of those? Or no, we're uh, we're not. Um, we did Vakken last year. We did a couple of them last year, um, but we're not doing Hellfest. We're not doing uh, Sweden Rock. Sweden Rock, honestly, is not that big. People just love it because of how cool it is. I mean, okay. you've probably been there, Eric. I mean, it's fucking, it's awesome. I mean, it's just an we don't get to go to Europe that much during the day. But nice. it's, uh, it's just a great festival. Um, so we did Wacken last year. And we did a couple of other things last year. We're doing one in the UK called Manorfest. Uh, I, I guess there'll be probably half a dozen of them over the summer. And then, you know, by September, we're going to be, we'll be at Blue Ridge and then gearing up to either go back to Europe, South America, or um, or the U.S. Where is the Where is the overkill audience biggest? Is it overseas or is it here? Right here in this fucking computer. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're the last two, us. Chris. <laughs> Come on. The um, I, you know, I honestly, it, you know, it's always hard to tell because there's no tangible product anymore. You have to look at it right with regard to streaming. So it's not like, you know, the streaming in you know this part of Germany. I'm sure somebody could give me those numbers, but it was always pretty even when it came to Europe and the U.S. But the U.S. always had like a bigger um, kind of a pull for us. And that's, okay. I think, it's, you know, it's obviously based on population. You know, I mean, all of Western Europe doesn't equal all of the United States. Um, I mean, there are just tons of people on the east and the west coast here. Um, and even in the south, uh, you know, Texas, et cetera, the big cities. So it's always been the U.S. for us that I think that we can do bigger shows. And we're, right. I mean, we're not like, you know, I mean, we're, we're like a, a House of Blues band, but there's some areas, you know, that we go, I mean, Jersey, we can do 2,500 people in a theater, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, you know, that's a good thing. We're trying to end at Asbury park. 
this summer. That's Bruce Springsteen uh, territory. Mm-hmm. Um, they have an outside venue. It holds 5K. You know, I mean, obviously, I don't know if we could do 5K on our own, but I mean, we would need good support, for instance, sure. uh, to do something like that. So I, I still think the U.S. is probably the uh, the bread and butter for us. Right on. Now, I got to ask you about one guy that you work with on occasion because everybody works with him on occasion, Phil Demmel. And, and I mean, he's obviously great. You know, I mean, he's, he's, he's an unbelievable player and he can play a lot of instruments, but how do you, how do you approach somebody like that? You know, he's kind of everybody's Swiss army knife, so to speak. Lamb of God needs him for a gig. He's there. You guys need him for a week of shows. He's there. You know, how, how does that even work? Do you call him and say, Hey, here's 15 songs that you need to know. And he learns them long-term or over a weekend or how does that work? Well, I, I lend him money and then I hold it over his fucking head. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. You paying me or you going out in the fucking road? <laughs> oh, he's a great dude. I met him through um, the Metal Allegiance guys. I mean, I got into the Metal Allegiance thing because of Mark Menge. He's just an absolute pain in my fucking ass. And that's the right. only reason I joined. I mean, the guy just continuously busted my balls on and on. But, I mean, I knew a bunch of the other dudes that were there. I knew Gary Holt. I knew the Testament dudes and Mike Portnoy. And Demo came in, you know, and it was just, you know, Mengi and I were talking one day about doing this thing called BPMD, uh, which turned into BPMD. And it was like cover songs of the 70s, you know. So we're covering Aerosmith or Mm -hmm. uh, Screaming Teddy out of uh, Motor City Madman. And, you know, some of the shit I grew up with, you know, I was doing some cactus and mountain. I mean, I was having a fucking time in my life, but Demo seemed like the right guy for it. You know, so that's where Phil and I have like the relationship is from, okay. from doing those covers. And we still do stuff. We still even record together, you know, to this day, um, 70s stuff, 80s stuff, just just for a kick, you know, something you can sure. throw in and make a record. But I think that I think you hit the nail on the head. He's like a Swiss army knife. He's a, you know, you can apply him to many different situations and he can fit in perfectly. So when we came out of that, you know, Peter pandemic, you know, just like panic because we had one of our dudes just couldn't make it. Right. Uh, I was like, yeah, no problem. Send a list. I was like, done. <laughs> how, how long, how long in advance did you, did you give him the list? Was it weeks or days or what? It was about 35 minutes. Oh, come on. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> no. So it was about uh, it was about six weeks. Okay, so that's plenty of time. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we uh, flew him into Jersey. <clears throat> um, we actually did uh, a place called the Wellmont Theater in Montclair, New Jersey. That was a makeup show, uh, but it was like right when Peter Pandemic was, you know, starting to not show his face anymore. So, so we got, you know, we got into that show and we had some guys with some, some Vax issues right? and, you know, Phil was like, I'll do it. And so we already had rehearsed with Phil for this one show. And when we had the same issue come up with the tour, it was just a quick call. And he's like, yeah, he goes, let, you know, let me, let me just clear it at home. Talk to uh, the family and uh, make sure that we have no family plans and I will, uh, I'll be there. And that's the way it worked out. Very cool, man. Well, the family plans are paying the family's bills. If I would assume. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lend him money and hold it over his head, right? <laughs> That's it. Works every time. <laughs> That's it. Is he really a biker? What do you want? <laughs> nice. Well, Blitz, I, I got to ask you this one question. It has nothing to do with music, but it's something that 
I just stumbled across and I know nothing about that you're involved in, or maybe not anymore. Are you still doing chocolate, the chocolate business? No, that was, um, that all that was sold about 2015. Okay. Uh, I was married to a really nice, uh, European woman, a Dutch woman. Uh, I, I, but apparently I like divorce better than marriage in many cases. So <laughs> I've done enough. <laughs> So no more chocolate. I I like to say that just to to humor the whole thing. But she was, uh, it was a business we started here when she immigrated here in 2004. And I had two brick and mortars with her uh, between 2004, 2015, a place called Nyack, New York, which is right in the Hudson River, real little village. And one called Newton, New Jersey, which is about 15 uh, miles from my house. Um, and it just, they just, they went mad. I mean, it, it was a Dutch girl in a, in a European chocolate shop selling Dutch chocolate. I mean, it was, it was nothing more authentic in the area. Right. Somehow I can't see you standing over a pot with a thing, just churning up some, some chocolate. <laughs> well, I can tell you, you could look at the books, right. And you could see whenever I was in the store, because, you know, would you make up your fucking mind and $40 a pound, just don't go together. So you- <laughs> You can just watch the revenue go (laughs) (laughs) right down to nothing. I was behind the scenes very soon after. (laughs) You were a silent partner. That's what. (laughs) Nice. Well, Blitz, I'll tell you what, man, the new album is fantastic. It's called Scorch. When is it out officially? When does it officially hit? Uh, It's the 14th of April. Okay. Um, So a couple weeks. There's some other metal band releasing that day. Something. Medicine. I'm San Francisco band. I don't know. That's if they have any money left from buying Scorched, right? <laughs> they can yeah. buy that. They can buy that one. <laughs> Somebody goes to me, you release it the same day as Metallica. I said, put them up, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> right. Dude, that might that might be a good day because That's there's already people buying. There's already I people. Said, why not? I mean, shit. I mean, I know we're not going to do the same amount, but I mean, it'd be yeah. great to be compared to them on such well, a day. It would make sense if like Amazon or something said, people that bought this are also buying this. That would be great. That I mean, would I think be, that would be a great thing. That would make yeah. sense. So. so it's the 14th of April. Uh, so just a couple more weeks. The production video's done. Um, you know, we're doing press up the wazoo. Sure. I got, uh, you know, a couple of these steam yards. I got Don Jameson coming up. The, my, my press girl's like, yeah, I got Don Jameson at 7 a.m. I said, who the fuck wants to wake up with Don Jameson? <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm going to tell him that when I get on the air with him tomorrow. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. Well, dude, where should we tell people to go to uh, pre-order the record or buy it? And if there's vinyls, all that stuff. Well, you can get it at nuclearblast.com. Uh, you okay. can order the green and the black vinyl there. Uh, some double gate folds, et cetera. There's going to be a cassette that we actually did a layout for. I mean, more of a novelty, obviously, uh, okay. but it will play if you have one of those old cassette players, uh, sure. CDs, uh, downloads through there. And of course, all the other outlets, the Amazons. I mean, you put overkill scores release in there, man. The whole page is just. All right. You know, so, so nuclear blast is probably the best way that, that helps us directly. Okay. Uh, but um, what about merch? Everything. Bobby, what about merch like the over the badass overkill shirts? You guys always have the most badass shit. Well, you can get it at wreckingcrew.com, which is ours, or you can follow links to what's called JSR Direct. Um, right. They're out, out of New Hampshire. They handle all of our online sales. Uh, you would go there anyway, um, even after ours. Uh, overseas, it's a company called Merchland uh, okay. out of Germany that handles it. So we're, uh, we're pretty set up on both ends. There's a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. I mean, cool. but I'll tell you, you know, when you look at an album cover, like 
where you see on Scorch, and I, and I remember we're, we're talking about Travis before, and I look at it. I'm talking with Didi, and we're both looking at it, and I go, great fucking T-shirt, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, one more time, man. The album is called Scorched. It is overkill. And, Bobby, I figured we would wrap this one up with the um, with the lyric video for uh, Wicked Place. Um, so maybe why don't you tell us a quick story about that song to wrap it up? Well, you know, I mean, we talked about the diversity of the record and, you know, and we also just talked about doing 70 songs with Phil Demel. And one of the things I, I first felt when I heard this, I was, you know, I heard the original riff and I and I got on the phone with Dee Dee and I'm like, man, it's like fucking fog hat on steroids. I was singing this in the shower when I was like 14. You know, right. it's just that thick blues ride right. uh, that takes you kind of to another era. And I, I was, it was so funny because somebody asked me when we were, we were doing interviews. They're like, what about Wicked Place? I said, how does a metal band do a big fat blues ride like that? I said, I said, if you were interviewing Ozzy in 1972, he would tell you he was in a blues band. Right. <laughs> Not a heavy metal band. So I think that it comes from that era and uh, something I'm really proud of because it reflects my youth and uh, reflects my influence. So, uh, here we go. Take that blues ride. Wicked Place. All right. Well, here we go. From Scorched, it is Wicked Place. And Bobby, thanks so much for joining us once again on Chris Hager Presents. Good Thank fun, you, boys. Thank you. Thank you, brother. See you, man. <laughs>